Hello, my friends. It's Thursday afternoon. Actually, it's Tuesday afternoon. It seems like I always do that. Uh, maybe not always. Hello again. Cut. Take two. It's Tuesday afternoon. Welcome to Bill Allen's Facebook Bible study. Uh, we'll see if I get the names right as we go through some Old Testament history today in the time of Moses and Aaron from the book of Leviticus. Nice to see you coming along and hope that you are able to be encouraged by this lesson, perhaps a little bit challenged by this lesson as we look at an Old Testament story that's pretty familiar to a lot of folks in the Churches of Christ and some other conservative churches that look for um, examples, I think, from Scripture, including the Old Testament of individuals who were disobedient and were pretty much brought to justice very quickly. And there's very few that are better stories about that than this one that we're going to be looking at in Leviticus chapter 10. Uh, hello to my friends, Cindy and Eric Mosley. Nice to see you all. Joyce was with me on Sunday morning uh, at church, and she noticed y'all coming in on the other side of the auditorium. And what a blessing that is to see y'all and to be sort of with you. That's a great thing. Uh, so let's think about uh, this time in Israel's history, uh, kind of set it up a little bit, and then we'll get to Leviticus chapter 10. Uh, but the, um, here's the thing. They had been delivered from Egyptian slavery and bondage, uh, got across the Red Sea, got into the uh, wilderness far enough to get to Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments from Moses, while he was up on the mountain, they built the golden calf and committed idolatry and all of that. And then Moses and Joshua went back up. Moses got the next set of tablets of stone and came back down. And so now they're traveling through um, the wilderness. We're about a year in. We've just celebrated, if you're reading along, we've just celebrated uh, the Passover after the Israelites had been um, released from Egypt for a year. And so now, uh, here we are, we're continuing to move along. And as you're reading this section, it is tedious and it's gonna get even more tedious. But right now, you're reading about the, the specifics regarding the tabernacle. Remember the tabernacle, also referred to as the tent of meeting. That was the temporary structure uh, that the Jews used while they were in the wilderness before and even when they crossed the, the Jordan River into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. Uh, there was still a long time before the temple was built. That was built in the days of Solomon. And so they went through the leadership of the judges, if you can call it that, after they came into the land and Joshua helped them conquer the land, so to speak. And then the judges ruled, regional rulers. We'll be reading about that down the line. Um, and then uh, they united under three kings who had the whole uh, nation united under them, King Saul and King David, and then David's son, King Solomon. And King Solomon is the one who actually built the temple. So there was not a permanent structure until King Solomon, which was, I don't know, sometime around 900 BC. And right now, as we look at Moses and Aaron, uh, we're at about 1400 BC, so there's still several hundred years before we get there. So there's uh, some pretty specifics about the tabernacle, about the tabernacle worship as the Jews uh, traveled along. Uh, they had this big tent that they would uh, set up and then take down, and there were very specifics about where the tribes would be, the different tribes. Remember, there were 12 sons 
of, of uh, Jacob. And each of those 12 sons represented a tribe, although Joseph's tribe was divided into two, Ephraim and Manasseh, his two sons. And the tribe of Levi was the priestly tribe. And from that uh, priestly tribe uh, came uh, Moses and Aaron. They were brothers. Their sister was Miriam. And Aaron was called to be the, the priest. Uh, the, the Levites were descendants of Levi. And all of those that were in the tribe of Levi were considered Levites. But it was only Aaron, starting with Aaron, and then his uh, sons after him uh, and descendants who would be priests. And there's very specifics about that as we as we look at uh, some of these chapters getting along. Uh, they're they're building the tabernacle. They're talking about the specifics. They're talking about how it's used and when it's taken down and when it's set up and where the camp the different tribes camp out around the the tabernacle, which was in the middle of the camp basically. And uh, and so we then we read about the priests, and that's when Aaron is called to be the, the priest and the high priest, and then his sons after him would be the priests, and the, the oldest living uh, relative of, of Aaron uh, directly would be the high priest. And, uh, and it's interesting that, um, that Aaron would be allowed to do that, because remember Aaron had been that passive leader who uh, did not stop them from building those golden caps. In fact, enabled them to do it by kind of calling on them to donate their jewelry and all of that. Uh, and a very weak explanation when Moses challenged him about it. And yet, um, God hangs in there with Aaron. One of the things that we'll see in the story we're reading today, or referring to today, is uh, that God is a God of justice and holiness, but he is also a God of mercy and grace. He demands obedience, and we need to take that very, very seriously, as we'll see today. Um, but he also is a God of mercy and grace and forgiveness. Uh, and just so we understand that that doesn't give us permission to be disobedient and sin. Uh, that's the key, and that's a hard one, and we see that in the life of Aaron and his sons in the stories we read about uh, today. Uh, starting in Leviticus 8, there's, in fact, throughout this section of, of uh, Scripture that we've been looking at, Leviticus, Numbers, pretty soon we'll be looking at the law, uh, and specifically the law, and how that all breaks down. One of the things that we see in this description of the tabernacle and the priests and the garments and all of that is the recurring refrain, they did what the Lord commanded them. Uh, they did all these things as the Lord commanded Moses. You read that several times in this section. And it's a tribute to the, uh, to the Israelites of that day. It's a tribute to Moses and his people uh, as they did everything that the Lord commanded Moses. Moses received the instructions. He passed them along to the people, and they did that. Uh, they did that. And when it comes to the priests... In uh, chapters 8 and 9 of Leviticus, and God calling them and separating them, there's going to be some discussion about that later on, uh, because some of the other tribes say, hey, how come the Levites get to be the special tribe? How come Aaron gets to be the high priest? Um, and that's when God has them do a little bit of a, of a demonstration, and representatives of each of the 12 tribes uh, bring a staff from their leader, 
And they leave it overnight near the tabernacle. And in the morning, what they find is that Aaron's staff, his rod, uh, had budded and sprouted and actually had almonds growing to indicate that, yes, this is from God. Uh, you'll read about that interesting story pretty soon. You also read about an interesting story about a talking donkey, but I digress. That's a little too much in the future. We're still in Leviticus 9 and 10 at the moment. And so as the people are dedicating the, uh, the tabernacle, they're dedicating and calling out Aaron and his sons to be priests, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, uh, you have all of this going on uh, as the Lord commanded Moses. And then Moses and Aaron go into the tabernacle, go into the tent of meeting and come out and bless the people. God sends fire from uh, uh, heaven and does all of these really, really cool things. And then we have this surprising story about Nadab and Abihu. You would figure that at, at this time, so soon after all of these incredibly powerful demonstrations of God's holiness have been seen, they would be really doubling down on being carefully obedient. And that's what the priests were and the Levites were supposed to do, to very be very meticulous in following the law to the letter as they did all these things. Well, not quite so with Nadab and Abihu. Reading in Leviticus 10, starting in verse 1, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. In the King James uh, translation, it's called strange fire <laughs> instead of unauthorized fire. I think that's the term that the NIV and the English Standard Version uses. I think the New King James Version uses profane fire, uh, strange fire, the King James Version says. So what, what happened here? Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, the oldest, presumably Nadab, uh, would be the high priest once their father died. And they were the, the oldest two sons, and yet they offered this unauthorized, profane, strange fire before the Lord, contrary to his commands, going against what he had commanded. Everywhere else we have seen just as the Lord commanded Moses, but here that didn't happen. And so as it says, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And we think, you know, that doesn't happen every single time. And why is that? I, I can't answer that question. Um, I, I don't know. I think there are some times when God deems it especially important to make a statement. We think of the New Testament and uh, Acts chapter 5, um, and this couple offering up a contribution to the Lord uh, they sold their land, and then they bring it to uh, the apostles, and they say, yeah, this is everything that we got for it. Uh, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. And they were struck dead by the Lord in Acts chapter 5. Here, and, and, and yet not everybody, that doesn't happen to everybody. But it did happen to them, and it happens to Nadab and Abihu um, here. Just like with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, Nadab and Abihu, these two brothers, uh, are burned to death immediately uh, by the Lord. Well, let's think for a moment about why that is, but let's keep reading first in Leviticus 10, the first three verses. Uh, later on, at the, in the middle of that passage, it says, Moses then said to Aaron, 
This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Well, this was uh, an important thing to God. And it's good for leaders of God's people today, church leaders, ministers, elders, deacons, others, ministry leaders, teachers, to remember that God gives us a great blessing and he gives us a great responsibility. And I don't think he's going to strike you dead if you mess up. But I do think he wants us to take that seriously. And he wants us to do our homework and he wants us to do our praying and to be genuine and sincere when we do this. Obviously, Nadab and Abihu uh, went against what God had commanded. And we may have a hint of a little bit more involved in the verses that follow. We'll keep reading in Leviticus 10, starting in verse 4. Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphan, sons of Aaron's uncle, Uzziel, who are obviously, that means they're also Levites, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins, Nadab and Abihu, outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. They have proven to be disobedient and unholy and profane, and they needed to be away from that holy place of the tabernacle. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp, as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, these are Aaron's next two sons, that would take over uh, the place for Nadab and Abihu. Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. That's what they had been doing. So they did as Moses said. Now that seems cruel, doesn't it? That Aaron would not be allowed to mourn for his sons. That Eleazar and Ithamar would not be allowed to mourn for their brothers. And they would have to keep that in until they were off duty, we might say until they were away from the entrance to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, uh, until their time before the Lord and his presence had done. Why is that? Well, because these men had, had been disobedient and had sinned before the Lord and then received the consequences of that in swift judgment. And, um, and so Moses told Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar, um, Aaron's other two sons, don't, don't mourn, don't mourn, stay here. Worship before the Lord, lead the Israelites in their worship. Let the other Israelites mourn, and I'm sure that they would mourn later, but right now, not. Well, let's keep reading in Leviticus 10, and now, starting in verse 8, we get a little hint of possibly what might have been involved. Leviticus 10, verse 8, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, and so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Well, maybe this is a little bit of speculation, but it seems to me that that was part of Nadab and Abihu's problem. They had given in to the wine and they had taken advantage of all of the things. They probably had gotten a little dose of their own power, were feeling a little bit arrogant, maybe a lot arrogant, as they were chosen to be priests right after their father, Aaron, amidst all the thousands and thousands of people, 600,000 men of fighting age <laughs> had been counted. And so now you have uh, these two men having this very primo position 
and apparently it goes to their head. And part of what is going on is likely that they were not able to judge clearly uh, what they should be doing, what God's commandments were, because they had been drinking alcohol. And God put it, made it very clear uh, right after they were killed and said to Aaron, no, no more of that. When you or your sons or their, their sons, um, as long as they're priests before the Lord, they are not to be, they're not to have alcohol. They need to have their minds clear and so that they can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, so that you can teach all the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. So maybe that was a part of what was going on. And Nadab and Abihu, they offered up this unauthorized, strange, profane fire before the Lord, and it was not what he had commanded, and the Lord struck them dead by burning them with fire from the sanctuary, from the tabernacle, from the Holy of Holies, <laughs> that Ark of the Covenant. Well, what do we make of this? Well, let's, again, it's a tribute to God's nature, which is very holy, uh, but at the same time also merciful. Uh, we go on and we read a little bit further down in Leviticus 10, and Moses discovers that they did not eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area. And he gets upset about it. This We're still on the same day here. And uh, he tells that he comes to Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar, the, uh, the, the two sons of Aaron, um, why did you do this? <clears throat> this was to be taken... Uh, uh, not into the holy place. It was to be taken, kept and eaten in the sanctuary area. And then Aaron replied with this in Leviticus 10 at the end of that chapter. Aaron replied to Moses, Today they sacrificed their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, but such things as this have happened to me. Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. And we would expect <laughs> Moses to say, well, yes, that's the commandment. Yes, God had already told you, don't mourn for your son. Don't mourn for your brothers. Uh, do your job today as priests before the Lord in a holy and obedient fashion. Uh, <clears throat> and yet Aaron says, I couldn't do it. Uh, my sons had rebelled against the Lord. They had disobeyed and, and they had been killed because of it. I, I just couldn't do it. And mercifully, Moses was satisfied. And that means that God was satisfied too. Was, was it a sin that they did what they did? Well, maybe, I don't know. But God didn't strike them dead. Why not? Well, I believe it goes back to heart. I think Aaron's heart, Eliezer and Ithamar's heart, they were in a different place than Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu had significantly disobeyed the Lord, probably starting with drinking and getting drunk and not respecting the call and the holiness that they were in, they were to uh, fulfill that call as priests to be. And so they decided, you know, I can do this any way I want. God said do it this way, but I, I think I'll offer it up this way instead. And so now let's move to today. What about today? How important is it to do what God commands today? Well, it doesn't seem that people are being struck dead by fire from God when they are blatantly disobedient, but that doesn't change the fact that it's sinful. There's only one place where you can find the Word of God, and that's in the Bible. 
And the Bible gives us instructions and commands about how we should live, how we should treat each other, and also how we should worship the Lord. Just as Nadab and Abihu and Aaron had received uh, commands on how they should worship the Lord. And I believe what this story tells us more than anything else is that that word of God needs to be respected. And those who are leaders of God's people need to be especially um, adamant about being obedient and seeking to know and understand God's word by studying it and then living it out in your own life, unlike Nadab and Abihu, and then also being willing to share it and teach it to others. That's how Ezra described himself uh, in Ezra chapter 9. And it's how we are to live today, to studying and, and learning the truth of God's word and following it as best we can, as best we understand it, realizing that we won't do that 100%. And that's why Jesus came and lived and died. And so, again, that, that holiness, that justice of God is there, but it's also his love and his mercy and his, and his forgiveness and his grace that are there as well. And so it doesn't give us permission to take lightly the, the commands of God. We are to follow them. And I think today when we worship the Lord in the church, whether it's the worship we give on Sunday mornings or whether it's the indirect worship that we give every single day as we talk to each other and respect each other and love each other and, and seek to, to be honest and trustworthy with each other, all of those things are we do because Jesus is our Lord and his word is our guide. And so I think we need to take those things very seriously and do them the best we can understand the way God wants them to be done. And I believe that that's something that's every bit as significant as it was in the days of Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. And I think God takes it just as seriously as he did then. Jesus came, according to John 1, full of grace and truth, and neither can be left out. Uh, to be obedient to God means to uh, acknowledge his great truth and his word and his commands and seek to obey them, but to also acknowledge his grace and his mercy and his love. And aren't we thankful that that's there? Uh, it saved Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar. Um, but the sinfulness of the hearts of Nadab and Abihu uh, were, not, were not there. And that's what caused them to uh, be taken out. And God gave a very strong message that we are to be holy. The great holiness code in Leviticus 19, you be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Jesus says much the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. And we can't, um, we can't let that uh, give us permission to say, well, I could never be that holy, so I guess I'm just going to give it up and live it up. Well, that's, that's the wrong attitude. We've given ourselves to Christ. We believe the Bible is God's word. So let's read it, just as we're doing now, reading through the Old Testament. Let's read it, and let's look at those commands to the early church and the story of Jesus in the Gospels and live that way. Let's live that way, first of all. And let's be willing to share that same message. But let's also worship that way as we meet together as the church. Why do you do what you do? Well, it's not simply because it's 
how we like it. It's not simply because culturally that's what works in 21st century America, if that's where you are. But it's because that's how God has commanded us to do it. And so let's remember Jesus came full of grace and truth. Let's live and speak and practice the truth in love, as Paul writes to the Ephesians. And yes, let's remember Nadab and Abihu and the great lesson that God's people have learned since then. That our God is a holy God, a righteous God, and that the Bible is God's word. And that the obedience that we offer up to God is something that needs to come from the heart, something that we take very seriously, and something that we look to with humility before our awesome God. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday. God bless.